This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. We appreciate you joining us for our latest podcast. This has been so much fun catching up with uh, so many of the heroes of the 2008 team. And this guy certainly was right in the middle of it and still ranks in the top five in nearly every major offensive category in franchise history. And I'm talking about B.J. Upton. B.J., good to see you and chat with you. How are you? Good, Neil. How are you? Good. Tell me, how, with all that's going on, first of all, is your family okay? Mom, dad, everyone been healthy through all this? Yeah, everyone's doing well. And, um, you know, we went through the whole homeschooling phase, but luckily I was just a PE teacher. So uh, <laughs> a lot of, lot of golfing going on. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of uh, dads who over the last several weeks, most of whom have said, I have more, even more respect now for teachers than I ever did. You the same? Oh, my mother was a, was a high school teacher. So I've always had uh, a lot of respect, um, you know, for, for teachers. I actually went to the same high school that she taught at, so I got away with nothing. So like I said, I've always had a lot of respect for, for the teachers in, in the world. How's your how's your little man doing, and and how how has it been? Has it been harder for you or for your kids to deal with, you know, being at home or or you know having to be at home a lot? You know, I think it's been harder for them. Um, you know, they're used to seeing their friends. I think us as adults, uh, we we find a way to deal with it. Like I said, man, I can't complain. I'm retired at a young age, and uh, I get to enjoy sitting at home with my kids and watching them grow up. But I think for them. Um, not being around their friends and not not getting to see them at school uh, it's a little it's a little tough. But um, technology's grown since obviously since I <laughs> I was a kid and and these iPads and Zoom and FaceTime they they've uh, they're starting to cope with it. But hopefully we come out of this soon, man. Do you have or have you got to spend a lot more time with uh, with him? And and how has that been? Just the opportunity to spend all that extra time with him. You know, he's, um, he's actually taking golf lessons three times a week. Um, we did baseball. He loves soccer. But for some reason, as um, soon as quarantine started, man, he, he fell in love with golf. And so it's been golf three times a week. And uh, that's uh, father and dad time, or father and son time. That's, uh, hey, it's easy to social distance when you're playing golf, too. So 100%. <laughs> hey, um, you brought up the word retired. A couple of the guys I had spoken to, I think Shieldsy never even filed his paperwork. JP still hasn't done it. Have you actually filed for retirement? Uh, I don't know. Have, I, I don't think I have, but I am retired. If there, <laughs> if there are papers that I need, uh, Major League Baseball, please send them to my home address. I will sign them. But, I, yeah, I'm done. Uh, spikes are over the street light. I'm, it's over. Well, uh, you obviously had some very great moments that we want to touch on. Can you first remember what it was like since it was only a few weeks ago that Major League Baseball had its draft? What that night was like for you when you were taken with the second overall pick? Well, Neil, it wasn't at night. It okay. was uh, 
<laughs> yeah, wasn't it wasn't in prime time then. No, it was not at night. It was uh, during the middle of the day. Actually, um, Pastor White, uh, the dean of my school, Greenbrier, Greenbrier Christian, actually um, pretty much shut down school that day for me, and I highly appreciate it. Um, he allowed, um, obviously, everybody at the school, but he allowed me to in, invite my um, my friends from the previous school that I was at and um, all of my family and, and closest friends. And we basically had a party in the gymnasium. I think I had been drafted for three minutes before it actually came over on the, pro- what do they call the projector screen? The thing, yeah, it was one of the projectors at school and they found a big one and they put it up and we were on the dial up. So I'd been drafted already for three minutes before I actually knew that I was drafted over the, the projector. And now, in today's day and age, you probably would get a call, a text, and, and know about it and have to hide it for a couple minutes. Uh, in this yeah, day. exactly. Certainly changed a lot. What do you remember about the day you got called up to the big leagues for the first time? And, and what, what still You want the real you? story? You, you tell you me the, you're retired. You can say whatever you, you want. want the, you want the real story? Sure. Right, I'll give you the real. All right. So the first day I get called up um, – I'm in Birmingham. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm in Double A, and uh, we are playing our last game. And they didn't let me play that game. Charlie Montoya didn't let me play that game. So we go back to Montgomery, and Joey Gathright drives me to Atlanta to fly out from Montgomery. And uh, he drops me off, get on the plane, and um, actually, where was I? Actually, yeah, I'm boarding the plane to Tampa, and I get a call from Chuck Lamar that says, hey, change of plans we're going to send you to Durham. See, that I had so, heard before. I got called up and sent down all in the same day. And then about a month and a half later, they decided to call me up. And knowing what I know now is a little bit of a businessman. I know why they did it. It's understandable. I, I mean, I wasn't happy about it, but it's understandable. So when you actually got to St. Petersburg or wherever... What do you remember about that? Because that was your first game, your first everything. First game, um, first game, Lou tells me I'm DHing, which is pretty cool because Lou lives in my neighborhood across the lake. And I see Lou all the time. It's awesome. But uh, Lou, I'm DHing, and uh, Tim Wakefield's pitching. I don't think I'd ever faced a knuckleballer at that point. And first inning, well, my first at-bat was about to come up, and I was on deck, and there was two outs. And I don't know who was hitting in front of me, but they got out, so I had to go sit down again. And then I don't know, did I get a hit my first A-B? I don't know. I, th- I might have been a single. I, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but I do know, I think I went one for three that game against Tim Wakefield with a single, I believe. After that, did you like knuckleballers or hate them? Because everybody's like, there's no, there's no in-between. 
Well, I never really liked them because I felt like I always got the knuckleballers when I just really got my timing. I mean, I felt like I always faced the knuckleballer when I was hot. And the knuckleballer, you know, the timing's totally different than everything else. So with the knuckleballer, I always just tried to hit it as far as I could because I knew that I wasn't going to do that with anybody else. And I felt like it was easier to revert back to the other way than try to actually have an A-B against them, you know? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You, you had obviously some, you know, you, you broke in in 04. You were still just 19 years of age. And then it was a couple of years and then you stuck. And then obviously everything happened in 08. Did you foresee 08 coming? Because I've gotten mixed from a lot of guys I talked to. When did you think this team was going to become a winner? Um, second half of 07. Okay. Second half of 07, we had the best record in baseball. Not a lot of people know that. And um, it was something to build on. And our goal was to not lose 100 games, and we did it. And I think in that, then we realized we had the best record in baseball the second half. And we were like, okay. We made those trades that offseason where they were our boys, but we understood why, and we made great additions. And they were additions that we needed. Because, I mean, at that point, I was way far gone as a shortstop like that. (laughs) And. And I think we can all agree, and I love Ben, but Ben, Ben Zobers, you were not the shortstop. Um, so the trades we made, and then we got Matt Garza, and we added another arm to, to our rotation, and we got a solid defensive shortstop who, obviously, me and you being in Durham together, we saw Jason Bartlett, and we knew mm-hmm. he was solid. Um, we made those moves, and we said, okay, we look a little different. And believe it or not, the change in the colors that off season and the event that they put together for the change in colors and it kind of worked out to where Johnny, Johnny Gomes was kind of leading the charge too, because he was a guy who was in double a who they called over to subs. I mean, to maybe play some innings for somebody and ended up, he had to play and went two for four and, and Lou loved him. So Johnny kind of breaks down the door. So Johnny's kind of leading the charge with the colors and this whole thing, Kevin Costner, and it kind of all just kind of snowballed, man. And then we fought the Yankees in spring training. And when we fought the Yankees, that was it. All right. How much did that, how different were the fights between New York though and Boston? Because a lot of people think, New York kind of started it, but the Boston is where everything really came together. New York started it. And of course, Johnny was in the middle of it, but New York started it, but it wasn't, it was just kind of like, all right, that's enough. But the Boston in Boston, that was like, all right, we ain't going nowhere. And if this is what y'all want to do every time we see you, then that's what we can do. And we had just kind of gotten to the point where we were tired of it and we were ready to play. 
What do you remember about where you were? Because that's a long run uh, to come back into the infield. Were you in center that day? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I was in center. I knew it was going down. If you, I mean, <laughs> anybody that looks at the video, if you look at our outfield, none of our outfield were in the positions. We knew what was going on. I mean, in the game of baseball, there's just some do's and don'ts. And there was a don't done the night before. And we had a guy that didn't believe in what happened. Mm -hmm. So we knew it was going down. There was nothing to be said. Like he didn't even have to tell us. Like we knew it was going to happen. That's just the way the game goes, you know? So we were prepared. I think if you look at that outfield, we were definitely prepared for what was about to happen. Do you remember anything about where you were in that whole circle? Because Kaz told me yeah. a story about how Garza accidentally hit him with a, an elbow, and, and there's some cool stories on the side. You know what's crazy? It's, as close as I was to it all, it, I mean, it was crazy. It was a, kind of a free-for-all. Um, there was a pile that Carl Crawford got underneath into the bottom, which I have no idea how he got to. Um, I remember Mike Timlin grabbing me by the back of the jersey, and I turned around and Grant Balfour grabbed him. I remember DeMarlo Hale coming from under the pile somehow. Um, Deanna Navarro was also at the bottom. And then, yeah, that was about it. It was a good one, though. <laughs> yeah, it was. And things really rolled from there. I, I'm curious, you had, in the first playoff series, when, when you beat the White Sox, you had the big game in the last one, the two-homer game. What do you remember about that? Because I asked Evan, he had two homers like in game one. And I said, what do you remember? He said, first thing I wanted to do was Ken Griffey Jr. was playing for the White Sox, and I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of Junior. So I'm curious, is there any, like that was pretty refreshing and honest. I know he was a rookie at the time, but do you have any like, kind of junior stories over the years like that when you first saw him or was he your guy? You know, um, Junior, what, I mean, who, Junior was everybody's guy. <laughs> I just don't think in that situation I was really thinking about Junior. I was more worried about Gavin Floyd, who I had faced in high school. Like, I had a history with Gavin. So um, I kind of knew he had this devastating curveball. That I did know, because in high school, he, he's the only guy, like, he buckled me to my back knee in the, in the batter's box. And, like, that's, that's forever imprinted in my brain. So I was more worried about Gavin. Than, than anything. So what do you remember about that game? Because that's, I mean, that started your run. You had seven home runs in that playoff, which is, I mean, amazing. He left some pitches out up over the plate that I did miss. That's just what it comes. Now, the second one is, was win-aided. We were in Chicago. We're in Chicago in October, like, wins Howard. I mean, it was a line drive. I don't think it should have left, but we were in Chicago and it did. So, but um, the rest of them were pretty well hit. Yeah. I can say that that I'm not playing. Yeah, they were well hit. <laughs> and and you had that run. I mean, I think you homered in games like two, three, five, six. 
that whole playoff, was that the best you had felt at the plate in your career? And if not, when was? Believe it or not, I was, um, no, I was more concentrated on, on staying healthy. I had, I had the shoulder issue and I was just trying to make it through the playoffs. I just knew that we had a better chance if I was on the field defensively. So I was honestly just trying to make contact. I told myself, okay, you can't reach. If you reach, your shoulder's going to go. So me and Steve Henderson, we got in the cage, and I told him that I was going to pull my hands closer to me and get closer to the plate. And I'm looking to pull. If I'm a little late, I'll hit it the other way, but I don't plan on hitting anything the other way. And if you look at all my home runs, they're all center to left center. Um, and we just worked on that towards uh, like the end of September. It was really when it started to kick in. And um, I actually stopped taking batting practice. And I'd take about 10 swings before the game. They had me wrapped up in uh, kinesio tape. They had my shoulder locked up in kinesio tape. And uh, I just got on the plate, and I knew they didn't want to hit me because I was a good chance I was going to take second, possibly third. So I just kind of looked middle to, to out over and swung if I could hit it. <laughs> and obviously a lot of success, but you did hit one ball the other way. Um, it was uh, game two in extra innings when you drove in Fernando with the game-winning run in extras in the ALCS, right? Yeah, it was a breaking ball I, I left on. I wasn't trying to hit it the other way. I remember it was a breaking ball, Timlin. Mm -hmm. um, I just I came out of it a little early. That's why I went the other way. I was trying to pull that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember about Aki stepping on second and your emotions when all that happened? I'm pretty sure my um, – well, when he hit it, I just kind of knew that it wasn't going to be a regular ground ball. I felt like something was going to happen. It was going to take a hop. It took the hop, but he caught it. And once he caught it, I think hat went off, glove to the ground, shirt tail out. And, um, I mean, if you look at the picture, you see the dog pile on the top somewhere. <laughs> you touched on um... – all the good additions that year, but one I wanted to touch on was Cliff. What did he mean to you and what's a good story that you can tell about the impact he had on you, not only that year, but for the rest of your career? Um, I didn't, I, I think I can speak for a lot of us when I say we didn't have direction. Um, we were young. I think that, what was the average age on that, that team that year? I think 27? About that, 26, possibly. yeah, 26, yeah. 27. So not of us lot of, had a lot of uh, uh, experience. And um, honestly, being a, a young black player, to have a, a guy like Cliff that I sat next to every day, um, I learned a whole lot, man, uh, about myself, about the game, about life, um, about being a father. I mean, if you talk about never having a big brother and then just – having one that's that's what cliff uh meant to me i think it, it was definitely more than baseball still more than baseball I still i still talk to cliff like he's he's one of the guys over my career that you'll you'll never lose contact with like i'll never ever his his number will never leave my phone 
Is there a story about something that happened that year that you can give us a great example about what he meant? <laughs> no, there's nothing that I can give you. <laughs> <laughs> Not even baseball related? Um, I don't, nah, because baseball was business. Mm-hmm. We just knew how to have fun. <laughs> I mean, nothing that, nothing that comes to mind baseball-wise, man. Like, we had a lot of fun. Um, and if it was, it's clubhouse talk. You know, I, I, like, I'll never, never, never do that. But just know that he's the man (laughs) hey you had so many other great moments beyond that year too um you know i think of the cycle that you had the next year um what what do you remember about that game (laughs) um i don't know were we out of the playoff run all that right yeah oh nine was weird i was carlos got hurt he got hit on the hand and um, yeah uh, the cycle, that was, didn't we win 90 games? Not that year. That was the only year you didn't, believe it or not. What, how many games did we win that year? Uh, it was in the 80s. That was, that was the only year, I think, in the six years from 08 to 12. Every yeah, other year was but 90. didn't we finish like 10 games out, though? It wasn't even close. Yeah, that wasn't, um, I don't know. 2009 2009 is is the year that just kind of goes as i guess the hangover Mm -hmm. is that what they call it the hangover yeah i guess that that was the hangover too i don't remember much about 2000 Hmm? finished 19 out that was the year the yankees went right yeah yeah that's what i mean like 88 games you figure we had a chance then the red sox get the wild card yeah. I remember that it was the Yankees and the Phillies that year in the World Series. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the the Red Sox got the wild card and yeah, we just didn't have a chance. 88 games, you got to give yourself a chance, right? No, yeah. not that. Not and and, and a few years later, you had a three homer game. Do you remember any of that kind of? I mean, what, yeah, I think... yeah, I was, yeah, I was. I don't know. I was DH in that game. I let off. Yeah, um, took Roy deep. He tried to quick pitch me. Yeah, I remember it. He tried to quick pitch me. He can't sneak the cheese by the rat. Um, I shot him up, and then um, they brought in, uh, what was it, Perez? And then, yeah, I think I booked him twice. It's a good day at DH. What are the moments, what are the other moments that stick out to you? Because I have one other one that, that sticks out to me, but what are some of the other moments that stick out to you in your career? My career? Um, with the Rays. With the Rays. I don't know, man. Playoffs. There's well, you stole a base in the World Series in 08, and then the Reigns came in game five. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, what was that like? What were you thinking when, when I mean, they kept playing and playing and playing? And I knew they weren't gonna stop it, they didn't want us to win, they want to stop it, they were trying to give it to them. 
Um, it just comes to the point where you know they're going to do everything in their power for you not to win it. And uh, at that point, I think Cole Hamels had picked off like five in a row. And um, I said, there's no way he has the balls to throw over here six times in a row. And as soon as he lifted his leg, I took off. Yeah, that was, that was it. Like, that was my thinking. He, I, don't, I don't even know why he was throwing over. But the fact that he was thrown over let me know that he was worried about me running. And when he threw over, yeah, it was like the fourth or fifth time. I was like, there's zero chance he's throwing over there again. And it just started to rain harder, and I took off. And then you had to wait. Then we had to wait. A long time. For, for nothing. <laughs> if you guys won in five games against Boston, do you think you win the series against Philly? Because there are a few. 100%. I mean, that was a feud. That was a feud that we fought all year. Like, we didn't – we got up for the Yankees, but we didn't get up for the Yankees. Like, we got up for the Red Sox and, and – we got up for the Red Sox every series that year. And to the ALCS, would, I mean, we played them already 20 times, and then we got to play them seven games. Like, that was, that was our World Series. Now, if we finish them in five, we beat the Phillies, no doubt. We were just out of gas, all of us. Pitching staff, position players, we were just all – and not out of gas. I think physically we were fine, but I think emotionally and mentally after playing that, that Red Sox series, we were just out of gas. Um, I think if we beat them in five, and still sometimes I think if Joe had to just put JP in to face Poppy. And I love Joe to But if he just, I mean, I don't think David Ortiz had gotten a hit off of JP all year long. And JP was hot in the pen, and he decided to stay with Balfour. I think we win. We win that game, and uh, hmm. we get those days rest. Our pitching staff gets rest. We get to relax and and get the Red Sox off our mind and and move on to the Phillies. I mean, we went from from the Boston Red Sox straight to the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, not exactly. I mean those those two organizations over the years, you know, those, mm -hmm. that fan base to go from one straight to the other. I mean, they're kind of one and the same if you think about it. And uh, yeah, it was just for us at the time, it's a little too much. Um, I think we gassed out on, on, on the Red Sox for sure. The last moment I wanted to ask you about was kind of like the last game you played for the franchise because I don't think people realized how much this organization you're, you're always so low key and to see you show the emotion on your sleeve, I think let people really kind of see who you were or that who, you know, as, as laid back as you were that how much it meant to you the, the time you spent here. Can you reflect on that? You know what, dude, it's funny you say that. Cause that's like, that's like one of the only moments in my career that I, I still like think about um, because 
the Tampa Bay Rays meant so much to me. This area has meant so much to me. I still live here. Um, through good or bad, like the support that I've had, I mean, still I can I can walk around this city and people still, um, you know, somewhat embrace me. I know I've been done. I haven't played here in a while, but still, like it's cool um, to still walk around the city, man, and and still be shown love. Um, to know that you created something here that the city never, never had, um, never had a hope to have. I mean, we were for a while, the, the, the laughing stock of baseball, um, last place every year. And to be a part of the, you know, the purple and black and green to the white and blue and to do what we did and, uh, to still live here. And like I said, man, the support I received here, um, over the years, has been unbelievable, um, you know, to enough where I want to live here and, and, and raise my family here. So, like I said, Tampa Bay Rays have um, meant nothing but the world to me. Um, I'll do anything for them. Uh, can't say they completely made me who I am, but they had a lot. They had a whole lot to do with it, and uh, I'm thankful to to um, have had them in my life and to have been a part of that organization. How hard was that last game for you then? I mean, we saw how it ended, you know, what you were like at the end, but that whole day, do you remember much about going to the park or? You know what? I'll say um, I knew it was coming and I'll say uh, maybe I had a few cocktails the night before because I knew it was, I knew it was coming. And um, I want to say I might have been a little bit late. Okay. Uh, it was a show and go, five o'clock show, and I don't. Let's say I didn't get there at five. Okay. Yeah. Well done. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, I still think you know you obviously had a tremendous run here, a terrific major league career, and we're glad first and foremost that your family's doing well, and you know who knows? Hopefully, this twenty twenty season will have a a kind of run like the two thousand eighteen did. That'd be nice. Yeah, man. Uh, it's only 60 games, but whatever. Hey, a ring's a ring. <laughs> Correct. No matter how yeah. long the season is. Yep. BJ, thanks for the time, man. Uh, we really appreciate and uh, continued success. Neil, thank you. That's BJ Upton joining us on our latest podcast. We hope you stay safe and healthy, and we'll chat with you soon.